Tanked Up, the podcast all about craft beer and video games. I'm Benoda. I'm joined this week by Aldo Koji. Hello. And making her Tanked Up debut, Lucy Yearwood. Hello. Thanks hey. for having me. That's all right. It's good. It's good. Glad to have you here. Yeah. Been looking forward to it. Nice. You're, you're, if not more so than the both of us, into craft beers. Yeah. Love it. Love beer. But especially the crafts. Also, crafts. you're also the... Uh... Indie queen, indie gaming queen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's apparently, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the one and only Ross Miller, the indie queen, so yeah, I know Excellent. a bit, bit about them. <laughs> nice, nice. So this week, as with every week, we're going to drink some beers, we're going to talk about some games. Uh, Lucy, what beers have you got this week? Right, well, since it's my debut, I didn't want to get anything like too outlandish. What? Yeah. You want to debut with something fierce, no? Well, I thought I'd, you know, try and ease in because I'm hoping this isn't, you know, the first and last. We'll see how I do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to get something that maybe, you know, some some folks could buy from, you know, their local craft store or something. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Um, I've got Siren Craft Brewery. I mean, nice. typical, um, probably one well-known ones around the country. Yep. It's called Love of Work. It's not one I've actually tried before. It is a hoppy blonde ale brewed with Earl Grey. So, I'm not sure if I like Earl Grey tea, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. We um, so we did an episode X number ago where Alex and I had been to Beer Emporium and got a little bit hammered, <laughs> and then um, and then on the next step, and you know, on the, the following episode, we talked about those beers, and I'm pretty sure we had that one. But now I'm not going to remember at all what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, the next one uh, is it's a Spanish brew. Well, I don't think it's a Spanish um, company that's actually done it. I think it's American. Yeah. Basically, I haven't done much research into these beers. Cause <laughs> Welcome to Tanked Up. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually it's like, you know, I'll look into it, have a read of the labels and everything. But I thought, you know what, I'm on Tanked Up. I want... Fresh new experience beers I've never really tried before. Nice. Um, yeah, this is called Flor de la Vida, which is obviously flower of life for anyone who speaks Spanish. Um, it's from edgebrewing.com. Okay, so they're certainly not Spanish either. So, no. Yeah, that is just a pale ale product of Barcelona. So, hmm. I guess it might have one or two hops from Spain. We'll, we'll see. Doubt it, but. Yeah, I don't, we've, we've not had anything. Spanish um, on the podcast. I don't think I've actually had any Spanish craft beer mm. before. Uh, according to edgebrewing.com, it's American mm. craft beer brewed in Barcelona. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so it is brewed in Barcelona. And they're rated yeah, had... the top new brewer in the world according to Rate Beer, uh, I'm assuming.com. Best 2014, though. I feel like top new brewer award two years after you went on is no longer a valid thing to brag about. Mm. Sorry, it's, um, it's, it's still still somewhat impressive, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I did try a Spanish beer over the weekend. It was called, I think it was called Nine Four Two, 
uh, Nueve Catre Dos. Um, it was it, that was that was brewed in Spain, um, in Catalonia, I think, and it's a brewery called um, Dugols, I think. Okay. Um, it's spelled D O U capital G A double L um, apostrophe S. But yeah, that was a really nice beer. That was. I'm just trying to think because I did drink quite a few that day anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that was just like, yeah, another IPA. But that was really nice. Um, definitely worth trying that if you, if you can find it. But anyway, my last beer is, you know, tried and true for Pure Brewing Company. And this ah. one's a Northern Latitude, which is a winter ale. So Yeah, one I haven't had. Yeah, I mean, I got this a few, I think a few months ago. I, I mean, they call it a winter ale. I mean, would it, is it in season now? So, yeah. Yeah, so. I, I think um, I had a, I think it was called Northern Star mm. um, from a brewery down in Exmouth whose name has disappeared. And that was a winter ale. Yeah. And it was that very sort of wintry, spiced yeah. um, kind of ale, which sort of didn't really sit very well on the, the day we'd had it, but I think <laughs> had I walked into the pub on a, a cold winter's eve, that would have been sort of perfect, really. Yeah. yeah. Because I imagine for Pure, you know, I mean, they must have quite a few contracts with, you know, hops, etc. so mm. it would be surprising if they could, you know, manufacture this all year round. But it's called, well, it's a winter ale, so that'll be interesting in the middle of summer, but there you go. But yeah, those are my free beers. Nice. I think I shall start with the. Hmm, which one do I need colder? I think probably the Spanish pale ale. I'll try that one first. Cool. How about you, Adam? What are you going for this week? Um, I've got another of the piso, um, tiny, weird people beers. Um, this one is Louis the Seventeenth. And who's the who's the brewery? Uh, it is um, Petit Sault, so P E T I T S A U L T dot com. Okay. They're in Edmonston, New Brunswick, um, and <laughs> uh, okay, a little redheaded Benoni Nadeau of Saint Hilaire had a strange accent, and he came here under mysterious conditions. No wonder. He may have been Louis the Seventeenth, the little runaway king that the French had lost in the late 1800s. We raise a glass of our royally good amber ale to this most unique adopted son. <laughs> Random. Yeah. Well, um, so there's that. I'll probably start with that because, as I said, it's an amber ale. So. Yep. Um, and then I've got a an extra special bitter from Nine Locks Brewing. Uh, they are also. Um, are they? They're in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, so close to historic Shubenacadie Canal. Um, Sh- what? Shubenacadie? Yeah. <laughs> what a great uh, name. Yeah, uh, Nova Scotia's got some great, great names. Uh, to create the best beer possible, we brew in small batches using all natural ingredients, no preservatives, no pasteurization, and no filtration. This classic English pub ale, we'll see, has a burnished <laughs> copper color with an aroma of toast, honey, and pear. A broad malt body featuring kilned coffee and toffee. East Kent Golding and Fuggles hops give this English-style ale a subtle spiciness, which complements its strong malt backbone. Pairs perfectly with crispy appetizers and, of course, fish and chips. 
Um, Fair enough. <laughs> good lord. Like, have... when, when every beer is trying to be like, yeah, you know, it's for the Brits. English, classic English beer. They've always got to drop in something English like crumpets or oh, tea or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, I also realize I usually save the, the flavor for when, text for when I'm trying the beer. So uh, apologies, but it also has directions. One, chill. Two, open. Highly recommended in braces. <laughs> Three, enjoy. And four, repeat. Nice, pretty good. See, um, so they've got a sense of pure. Sorry, that's what I love about Fuel Pure. They put all the information, like what to serve at, you know, the EBC, the IBU. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we generally have less of that in Canada. Um, they have, oh, actually it's uh, 5.6 ABV and 35 IBU. Um, okay. And it's water, hops, barley, yeast, and love are the ingredients. <laughs> a unique ingredient. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, this is my first. I've never had anything from Nine Locks before. Mm. And my last beer, I will be short. Um, I've just been rambling. Uh, is the Ransack the Universe Hemisphere IPA okay. from Collective Arts Brewing? Ooh. Got this really interesting. That's a very arty um, can, very yeah. arty design. And where are they? They're from Hamilton, Ontario. I say, I say it's very arty. That gives nothing away at all, does it? Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> not with craft beers, no, not at all. They it's like nice. a sketched hand ma- gripping between forefinger and thumb. A diamond. A diamond on a, but it's more... It's like it's drawn in MS Paint, so it's very thick. Yeah, yeah. Um, crisp line with rounded edges. And um, and it's got little waves, squiggle waves, and then the rest of the label is white text on yellowy orange background. Anyway, nice. um, I'm gonna crack a beer. Cool. I well, just what are you having? Mine. I couldn't wait. I just cracked mine. My, <laughs> my mouth's really dry. I'm dying for this beer. Uh, the first one I'm gonna drink is a Harbour Harbour Brewing Company from North Cornwall, um, just called Light Ale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's four percent. It gives me no more than that. It does have some flavour text. One of the only beers I've had in weeks that's got some flavour text. And it says, Next time you snorkel, surf, or sail off Pentar Head, beware. Beneath these waters, there once lay a sub-aquatic abattoir. It was the work of an old hobo who lived in a cave at Diggory's. He used to tear livestock in two and feed the meat to the resident sharks that he befriended. The seals would clap from a safe distance. These X-rated, this X-rated circus was the talk of the sea. So much so, they dubbed the protruding rocks the cow and calf. Really fucking random. <laughs> I assume that is an area in northern Cornwall somewhere. Perhaps. What's the smell like? Light. <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> you don't get a huge amount on the nose. It's slightly hoppy. A little malty, maybe. Not much. Slightly sweet. That's probably the malt more so than more so than the hobs. Mm. Yeah, I pulled this Flor de la Vida. Massive. Yeah. It's a massive head on it, and it's like it's not going down. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't shake it or anything. It's like, what's going on? Just really carbonated. Yeah. How does it smell? I don't know yet. (laughs) 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 It's slowly going down. I'll pause some more, see what what it smells like. 
Um, oh, yours is is really dark. Which one did you open first? The Louis the Seventeenth, five point five percent amber ale. Although it's, it it looks redder than the average red ale. I know I'm sort of half in the dark. Mm. Can't quite see. There we go. It's you can quite just get, red. Yeah, you can you can get that red on the edges of the, yeah. the glass. Yeah. Um, very little carbonation. Oh wow, it's um quite a bright nose, sweet, uh, and with sort of a hint of maltiness, but not sort of strong. So it keeps that that the peppiness of sweet, when yep. usually maltiness sort of rounds things out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something slightly floral. Slightly. Slightly floral, I think. This is where my my senses fail me. I, I, there's something else going on that I think might be flowery, mm. besides my verbosity. Um, I'm going to give it a swig. Oh wow, that is much more coppery than its um, nose belies. Um, really? Yeah. Um. Surprisingly, it's not super hot co- coppery, but there was like sort of no hint of bitter or copper in it. It's um, there's also almost no maltiness in the taste. Okay, is it that sort of slightly metallic-y sort of tang to it? A little, yeah. It's got some of that. I think it's mostly that that lingers longer than some of the other stuff. So it's not a super strong metallic-y taste, mm. but as the rest of the taste fades away, it stays. And it, it, it's another one of those beers that we've I, I've had lately that just dries your mouth out. Yeah, but this is almost immediate. Like the the taste really doesn't stick around for very long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's definitely one, not their their best work. Well. Yeah, this one. It's got really nice crisp, you know, dry finish. It, you've it. managed. You've managed to have some. Yeah, I just drank out the bottle because I just <laughs> like, the head's still going down. It's just like. Not getting there. I'll tell you the smell later, but yeah, it's um, it's cloudy. I'd say cloudy copper. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really it's bitter. I, I really do like bitter beers. Like because mm. this is sixty IBU, so it's oh, well. you know mid to to a bit upper um, IBU. But but yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, it's not it's, it's not. It's not mind blowing, but yeah, yeah. It's um, okay. Uh, it's not too bad. This 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 Harbour Light Ale is the um, it's the same sort of thing. It's nice, but again, it's not um, it's not really anything special as such. Yeah. Um, I know they do a Harbour do a session ale, um, which I think might be a little bit more than this. It might be about four point five or something roughly around there, um, which has a very slightly different taste of this it was at the antipodean i had a couple of um weeks ago yeah um which was more of a uh, that that one was really dry this one however has got a a sort of a nice sort of longer finish a little little sweeter than than that one so it's good i'm going to continue drinking because i'm absurdly thirsty this week (laughs) i i think it was in um this week's game of thrones episode where they they use the word Antipodean, either that or it was in Clash of the Titans, um, which I watched for the first time while 
moving things around in the basement um, this morning. But I'm pretty sure it was the Game of Thrones episode. And I was like, ha, we looked that up last week. Oh, maybe I missed that in the latest episode. Oh, I'm probably wrong. It was probably the shitty <laughs> Right, let's talk about games. Lucy, why don't you kick us off? What game have you been playing this week, last week, that you want to talk about? Um, well, the game that I've been playing pretty much non-stop since it came out is Hitman. I mean, I'm sure people yeah. on you know, the group have probably heard me <laughs> rabbit on about this game quite you know, for a long time, but mm. now I've got all the time in the world to talk about it and no one can stop me. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, but, might, um, we might cut in after about, you know, 15 minutes. Or so. <laughs> I'll still carry on. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably good because <laughs> I think we've only talked about it at when it was the beta. I don't think either of us have talked really about it have since. Have you really picked it up? Or? Uh, I no, own no, it. I, 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 I haven't just... played it since the, the beta. I own it, but I haven't played it since the beta. Okay. Any of you Hitman fans or? Oh, uh, I love it. Yeah, I, I love the series. Um, uh, I, I've loved um, all of them, even what was the last one called? Absolution. Yeah, mm. yeah. And Absolution was actually, uh, I think it was a day one buy for me when it came out mm. at a time when I had money and could frivolously throw it about <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's why yeah. I bought Hitman when, when the, their wonderful uh, pricing scheme came out. I was like, oh, well, I'll definitely buy the first sort of episode chunk. At that yeah, price, yeah. Um, and so I bought it, you know, week one, and then haven't had the time for it to roll back around. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, go on. No, no, I was just going to say because it's such a low barrier of entry, pretty much. I think it's like eleven pounds. Not sure about the, you know, Canadian or US. Oh, one. it's it's much cheaper, uh, dollar to pound. I think it was. Okay. Actually, maybe not. I think maybe it was seventeen dollars or fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, something around that. But I think it was eleven pounds. It went on sale um, not long ago. So it's quite a low barrier of entry. I mean, I bought the special edition because it, you know, I saw demos of this game. And I knew I was going to buy it anyway. Yeah. But for people who weren't sure, because you know, I can completely understand with you know the, as you say, the pricing model and you know the whole hubbub that was about that when because I'm not sure if you like remember, but they were taking pre-orders and then they cancelled those and then they yeah, and that's the episodic thing, yeah. Um, so I can understand why people would be hesitant, but it it's fantastic. And you know, even if you're still a bit unsure but you're curious, then yeah, you can pay the eleven pounds. It's like, well, I it's know not really much. Um, it's not it's not going to damage your bank account if you just pay the eleven pounds. It's not like sixty pound game or anything, but mm. yeah. And I know that that uh, a good chunk of the Out of Lives crew mm-hmm. ended up getting it for precisely that reason. I mean, it was just like, oh, well, the beta was interesting, so I might as well. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, the episodic, I really, despite not following up on this really enjoying thought, I really like the fact that you, if you want to play the game, you have to replay the levels and you get a sense of how versatile the game is, which... A lot of people, I think, in previous Hitman games never really did the re- level repeating aspect yeah, of it. Completely agree. And yeah. so this just sort of opens the door to people. Like you, you can spend all of the hours on these two levels and still be satisfied with this game because there's that much diversity of content. And then, right when you might get be getting bored, here's the next episode. I mean, yeah. they've been plagued by a few delays, but I think their original schedule sort of screamed. Play it for a couple months, and then you're going to be bored. But don't worry, because within a week of you being bored, we have another, you know, 
city and mission mission set for you. Yeah, it certainly has slipped. I think the first episode alone, uh, you know, slipped. Um, so, well, the second level, Sapienza, that that slipped from. I think it was meant to be out in. In fact, it might have been out in April, uh, the start of April, but it, it it was towards the end of the month. So, mm, um, yeah, basically they're they they've been a bit behind from the start. But but yeah, deal. I mean, you've just said everything that you know that I felt about the game because. Um, I mean, everyone said that they weren't too fond of Absolution because it was more, it was more linear. It was more of a linear experience, whereas um, everyone wanted an experience like Blood Money, where it's just a sandbox, you know, semi-open world sandbox where you can just do whatever you want to do. And Hitman, I mean, I don't know what to call it, Hitman 2016 is just basically Blood Money, but 10, 15 years on, so finally got what we wanted in terms of a massive open world sandbox hitman game and uh, as you say like okay i'm probably in the top percentile of people playing this game because i've put about 120 hours in it so far nice (laughs) so by the time seven more hours and you have to cut off your arm (laughs) so by the time like all seven episodes come out i'll probably put about a thousand hours Mm, in mm. And then you so, ha- do you have any fatigue on it? No, not at all. I, I mean, I've 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 completed most of the challenges. Um, you know, just kill the um, target in this way or that way. I, I've completed most of those. So and basically, all I'm doing now is just featured contracts that other people have been uploading onto the, you know, you, into the community and stuff like that. Speak a little towards that because I don't actually know how that works, and I'm sure some our yeah. audience is similar. Basically, you just. Um, going to the level creator which you're basically putting the level uh, so say if you're just starting the um starting in paris or something like that um you're you're putting the exact, exact same scenario um but all you have to do is highlight the targets that you want to kill so it can be any npc there oh cool and you know you can set things like okay i want to kill them with a screwdriver i want to kill them whilst nice. wearing this disguise or something like that oh, and wow. you basically kill them and then you finish, you know, finish the mission by going to an exit, and then that's it, and you just upload it. So it's quite, it's quite simple. It's oh, interesting. So of... you can't set up something that you can't do yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's that like, is super interesting. Super I like Laker. that a lot. Yeah. yeah. You have to be able to complete it yourself. Have um, you had any? Have you played any which are super easy and sort of super stupid almost? Oh yeah, yeah, because. I mean, I put, uploaded one just like that because I just wanted to try it out. So, yeah. yeah. But the good thing is that they curate them. So, um, IO Interactive, they'll put out a list of featured contracts um, every oh, wow. week. Nice. So, you're basically playing the cream of the crop. So, you're not getting any rubbish. And also, what they do, IO do their own like featured contracts as well. So, okay. you know, made by the actual developers. Yeah. And it's basically what they call these escalation contracts. So, First time you're going in, you're just killing the target and that's it. The second time, you might have to kill a second target. The third time, you might have to, you know, navigate around tripwires or something like that. The fourth time, you have to, I don't know, kill them in a certain way, within a certain time, have to hide all the bodies, this and that. So it sort of escalates each time and it gets harder. That's cool. Very yeah, cool. so that's another aspect of it. And It's like a microcosm of that friend that I really hated that started, I think, in the early 2000s of you can't access hard levels until you beat 
like hard mode until you beat mm. the lower modes. Yeah. It's sort of like a micro version of that. Yeah, but it's it, it sort of ramps up and it's like you get used to um how you're gonna kill this target and then they just throw a curveball at you. It's like, okay, I didn't expect to do it that way. I mean, um one of the curated ones was made by a speedrunner or something like that. And basically you couldn't you couldn't jump over anything, you couldn't climb up anything and <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in a six story, you know, mansion. Well, it's about four story mansion and you can't climb up anything. Oh jeez. And there are guards by the stairs who you can't get past. It's pretty impossible. So it was like <laughs> that took me a long time. But yeah, it's I mean a lot of people have been against the whole online component because you have to be online to really play it because otherwise things that you unlock won't be there if you're playing offline and you know your stats won't be updated and you know a lot of stuff like that which is you know it, it doesn't do like a batch upload yeah yeah if you don't have a steady online connection or you don't have online you know online connection at all if you live out in the sticks or something i can understand why that would annoy people but it is crucial and I feel like if you don't yeah. have a, a steady online mm. presence, bitching that your your experience on uh, on the on- online part of a game is mm. subpar is not everyone else's fault. Yeah, like I mean, it, it, I can understand from both sides. If you can, if you can play the game mm. by yourself with no online connection. That's I think that then you can't really bitch that much, unless there's some sort of locked away content that would be playable. Like it's not like the contracts obviously need you need to be online because you're downloading. Well, I suppose them. this is almost the multiplayer element, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's uh, even what I'm though saying. you're not interact. Yeah, even though you're not interacting yeah. with with other players as such. That's like it's saying that sort of community um, online interaction, isn't it? Yeah, so that's you, why it had the beta. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. It, it, you still have the well. Can you play just the just the single player missions? It's it's only the single player missions that you can play when you're offline. Yeah, if yeah. You want well, escalation contracts or feature contracts, then you'd have to go online. That mm. seems perfectly reasonable to yeah. me. Do you um, do you get any reward for doing the escalation? Fifty cents. Um, any of the other the the contracts. I think with the, I don't know if you've heard of the elusive targets. Yes, where, yeah. yeah. Where you basically get 48 hours and once they're gone, they're gone. You, you only have that small window of time to kill them. Um, you get you get, you get get some rewards like, you know, extra suit or extra camouflage weapon or something like that. Hmm. But So, yeah, the, and just completing challenges. So there is there is reason to go online and do do all that, so... It may not be for everyone, but yeah, the small it was. Did you manage the um, the elusive contract? Yeah, because I found out about it when I was on holiday. Right. And because it's been like a month and a half in the pipeline, I was so annoyed because I was like, I'm not going to be able to play it. But luckily I got back in time and I killed him <laughs> within three minutes because I had oh, time wow. to... Oh. Because I know the map inside out <laughs> and it's basically a guy who forges paintings. So I was like, oh, there's that paint room on the second floor. I had time to think <laughs> about this. So awesome. It only took me two minutes in the end. But yeah, it, it, there's another one this Friday. So 
people might want to check that out but but yeah it's interesting and that's all part of the live content so a reason for it being online i mean it is justified at the end right. of the day so yeah um you mentioned uh unlocking different suits and stuff does that mm. so do you have like a steady arsenal for or, or slash bag of tricks for your online gallivanting or how does that work um well one, as you play each um location uh you you get what's called a mastery level so the amount of times that you complete challenges like different ways to kill the targets you get um so many points towards your mastery level so um it goes all the way up to level 20 and as you unlock those levels that gives you access to more starting points and more you know different different tools for your arsenal Hmm. so say like um a lethal syringe or something like that um but but yeah uh, because i think they know that everyone isn't going to be um doing the online content the unlockables for the online content aren't as crucial Mm. Right. as the ones for like the offline part so but yeah you can still unlock new things hmm. that's cool um so the second episode released um as said, sort of the of start of the month or, or yeah the, the end yeah. of april have you uh it's sapienza isn't it yeah um and it's meant to be a little bit bigger map wise than the paris one is that right yeah i mean both are huge but i could you know i was a bit astounded when i first went into it how big the map actually is i mean it's not just the size of it it's the depth as well mm. i mean there's so much detail it, it's actually mind-boggling how much detail and how many npcs there are to interact with and like even now after playing playing 120 hours i'm still learning new things and i don't yeah. think any game i've played before where i've put so much time into it that i'm still learning new things new secrets new interactions between like npcs it's like every single time you go in there, you're learning something new. And mm. That's why, you know, even after a thousand hours, I'll still be finding new things. <laughs> in there and I'll just think it's, it's, such a, it's such an amazing job that I have done. I think they deserve a huge amount of credit. Nice, nice. I, I know that the physical release, which I would assume is all of the episodes, uh, yeah. all of the content on a disc comes out towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think end of the year, maybe next year, January or something like that. Yeah, but I would think if you if you pick it up then and actually pick up the physical release, you're missing out on quite a lot of the game yeah. really. Sort of like the elusive um contracts oh. and, and sort of all of these um player generated levels and well, stuff. Well you'll so get those that, later, right? Well as soon you, as you, you turn will, it on. but in a year's time is it gonna be yeah, because the elusive targets yeah. apparently don't ever come back. I mean, mm. I'd be interested to see if they do, but apparently they won't. But but yeah, I mean, you are you are kind of missing out. I mean, those things will still be there, but it won't be in you know it won't be in the it won't be quid pro quo if you if you like to say yeah. that. I, I don't know, but but it won't be in vogue. It won't be you know I want to find this contract. I mean, they will have searchable contracts by then, hopefully. But it's like this contract was all the rage at this time when yeah. not many people knew all the secrets to this and that and this and that. So mm. I think so, yeah. it's just trying to capture the um that that the market of people who buy the disc, plug it in, want to play yeah. the game. Like the same people who buy Call of Duty games play the single player campaigns and don't go on multiplayer, which we all yeah. pretend. Yeah. 
it, you know, in our circles, that's not the way it is. And in the gaming publishing, that's not the way it is. But if you look at the sales numbers versus the regi- like people, the online numbers, there's a large chunk of people who yeah, never show up. Because and, a lot and, of people probably wouldn't even know Hitman's out but if they saw yeah. that in the store. Yeah. And so if these people aren't going on Call of Duty multiplayer, they're probably not going to care that they've lost a couple of elusive targets on Hitman yeah. multiplayer, right? They, but That's they get the is. full game and they buy it for their... And then also they, they get to, because it's the first time it's on disc and it's all of the bits, they're going to charge the same $70 price point as if it was brand new, even though mm. it's already paid for itself Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they sort of get like a you know sec- second life at the same game. Um, has there been any absurdly sexist um, bondage nuns <laughs> or any anything that the, the the last Hitman game was Absolution was sort of quite derided for its representation mm. of women. Um, no, has really. there been anything like that in this one, or have they no. just just cut everything like that out? I mean, there's still funny little things in there but no, nothing to that extent I mean like in the Sapiens I mean this might be a little bit of a spoiler but like there's two plumbers and one's green and one's <laughs> black <so. laughs> but there is like I mean they still have fun with it because it, you know it's a sandbox game and if you go on like their blog or their Twitter page IO Interactive you see them like retweeting and reposting like the crazy things that people have done mm. so it's like they know that this is a sandbox game. You can have as much fun as it, you know, with you as you want. And they've included some of those things, but now there's nothing quite out uh, as mm-hmm. well, their world. They they have they've built much more of a realism world versus sort of cartoony. I think it also because Absolution, like you said earlier, Ben, is much more of a linear mm. story. I think they went quite. I think they went serious with Absolution. You know. But this one, that you know, I just even some of the voice acting and the things that people say. That I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot more jovial, and they're having a joke at their own expense. And it's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Are you sick of talking about Hitman? Because I can, I could go on. No, forever, I... <laughs> <laughs> maybe for time's sake. Oh Jesus, yeah. And and the the people who actually listen to us, perhaps we should uh, we should move on. How how are we all doing with our beers at the moment? We go. Uh, mine's gone. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm not enjoying this one, to be honest, because I think it was very carbonated, but mm. hopefully the next one will be better. But yeah, it's all right. I mean, I'm just going to finish it and move yeah, on to Yeah, that's sort of album. how I felt with mine. This The Louis Seventeenth was, was quite disappointing, to be honest. I mean, it wasn't a terrible beer, but it was just... It, the taste is sort of just... Okay, this is a, a, above standard, where standard is, you know, what you get in North American pubs. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> But sort of the, the the taste also fades so quickly that like the slight uniqueness that might be there is gone, and you're just sort of, all right. Well, I guess that was a beer. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, what they do say about IPAs though is that you know after a week, it's pretty much out of date. I mean, you have to drink them quite quickly to you know get the most mm. of their flavour. But but yeah, this one was. I usually uh, end up finishing a beer within a couple hours of opening it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why Brewdog made the Born to Die label, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Had a, they had a date yeah. on there when it was sort of almost the best before date. Yeah. Such, 
I've got um, one of those, uh, the bottle. Yeah. Uh, on my shelf. Nice. Yeah. What's your second beer going to be, Adam? Uh, it'll have to be the um, extra special, extra special bitter. <laughs> the sugar wrapper from here. Uh, the yep. extra special bitter by the ridiculous um, Dartmouth Nine Locks Brewery. By some odd lake. Uh, no, no, the Shubenacadie, the historic Shubenacadie Canal. Oh, canal, okay. Yeah, see anal. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Lucy? You want your second beer? Um, I'm just seeing what the temperature on the, this 41 is. It says 10 degrees. It's not quite 10 degrees yet, so mm. I'm moving on to the love of work, the Siren Craft Brewery one. Nice. 3.6%. Ooh, it's quite and, light. Yeah, hoppy blonde ale, brutish Earl Grey, if you remember. Nice. I'm still... Drinking through this big harbour bottle. I've only got two beers this week, so I'm going to nurse this one slightly mm. until we get to our thirds. Um, uh, or your thirds, my second. 500 mil? Yeah, or? it's a 500 mil, yeah. Uh, yeah. You see, that's what I like. Mm. Just give me more. Mm. <laughs> well, it's 330. Well, I find with, with harbour that they do either a can or a 500 mil bottle. Um, but I've I not, like seen, not yeah. seen the the ones that come in cans, I've not seen in... Oh, the boys. bigger bottles, so mm. I assume they pick and choose which ones they want in each um, quantity. Yeah. I, I tend to prefer cans, not on average, though. So. Yeah. How about you? Can um, or bottle? Oh, I don't know. It's difficult. I think it depends on the beer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I'm having, like, a stout or porter, I don't want that in a can, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or even, like, um... It's a hot day, and it's just a just a lager because you want you know that refreshing beer. Um, mm. A cold glass bottle, drinking out of mm. nothing beats. <laughs> uh, I, well, I suppose it depends whether you're then putting it into a glass as oh, well. Yeah, well. Yeah, because yeah. if you get if you're drinking directly from a can, um, you get that slight metallic taste to it as well. So you're starting to put a flavour or a, mm. a taste in there that probably shouldn't be you know in some beers at least yeah but i then, find nowadays that they're a lot better with the cans and the, you know the taste fresh and they don't have that metallic taste in yeah yeah the mm-hmm. lines but yeah well in canada we, we've we've have have had a steady trend of craft beers coming in half liter cans like the tall boys mm. as we mm. call them here although i just noticed that cheekily nine locks have a 473 milliliter can instead of a 500 that's random. Yeah, it is. I'm just going to double check that I'm not getting screwed uh, by, whatchamacallit, collective the art. System. Uh, it's apparently all of the milliliters or none of the milliliters. <laughs> oh, this is 4. 4. 473 as well. Weird. Um, right. Anyway, uh, not talking about beers I'm not drinking. Um Extra special bitter is quite coppery in color. Um, Not quite as dark as your last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it didn't generate a, it generated quite a bit of head, but it's uh, dissipated quite quickly. Unlike uh, Lucy's first beer, 
Although uh, it's that's uh, still going down at the moment. <laughs> uh, but it sort of has half centimeter that's just been steady. Yeah. Uh, on the top. It's, it's actually the nose is sweeter than the last beer, which I find surprising. It's actually quite weak. Not a lot in the nose. A bit more of a watery. Yeah. Element. Yeah. Um. Oh, but it's so much more refreshing immediately. Really? Yeah. That that extra bit of carbonation that's you know keeping the head steady mm-hmm. opens up your taste buds, and you get uh, you get that lovely um, bitter, cop- slightly coppery taste. The coppery barely sticks around. Again, it's a it's a quite a short taste time. Mm. Um, but it does not leave your mouth nearly as dry. Like you get that lovely bitter taste. It doesn't linger, which is unfortunate. Cause I like that. Um, but it's a great, good, solid bitter, and then it fades and doesn't leave your mouth sort of with the bad part of bitter, like the the last beer did. Okay. All round so far, a little bit better than the last one. Mm-hmm. It's um got something else going on that I can't quite put my finger on so i might ramble more later but cool that's the esb anyway nice lucy i really like this one it's yeah. um medium medium white head it's probably it's very clear actually it's translucent actually yeah um slight copper texture but yeah it, it what it smells and tastes like is iced tea and I actually really like iced tea. Mm. I've always thought, I wish iced tea had a bit more fizz in it. <laughs> and this is what this <laughs> is, completely. It tastes like iced tea. You can really taste and smell that, you know, that Earl Grey. Because mm. I wasn't sure about that. I'm not even sure if I like Earl Grey tea, but that is a really nice beer. Excellent. And it, what was it, about 3.5% roughly? Yeah, it's That's, really nice. And just yeah. drink constantly. Instead yeah. of just substitute tea out. I might do it. <laughs> Forget the icy. I'm just going to pour this. <laughs> awesome. Um, why don't you uh, kick us off with uh, a game, Hado? Ah, um, if you've been playing anything this week apart from the packing game, uh, yes, I'm, I'm packing and selling. Uh, the eBay game's going reasonably well. Um, mm. I think I've, in passing, mentioned my Lego addiction before. Yeah. Um, Probably one of the more contentious parts of the relationship is <laughs> how much Lego has actually just managed to enter my life in boxes. <laughs> um, because we have uh, we we have this house here in Halifax, around seventeen hundred square feet, mm-hmm. and um, Vancouver is the second most expensive uh, city to to real estate wise in the world, next to Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, so the place in Vancouver we've got is um, 600 square feet. Um, and it is... Uh, Almost a third. And it's... um, And also we had a lot of storage in the garage, which isn't counting the square footage. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, also... It's costing us $300 less a month to rent 600 square feet versus our mortgage all-in payments here in Halifax for the, the house. <sighs> anyway, um, so I have to, you know, <laughs> get rid of shit. 
Um, yep. But it's it turns out Lego's not a terrible investment. Um, I had the um, the first series of Simpsons collectible minifigures. Right. They were all about a couple bucks each. Um, and apparently, they were, they, I sold Mr. Burns for $26 Jeez. on eBay. Uh, and Grandpa I... for 15 Uh The rest went for above what I paid, at least. But it's just like, this is ridiculous. I do trust me, because that's how I buy my Lego minifigures. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so on I eBay? know the ridiculous prices that they go for. You gotta, yeah. you just got to look up the field guides. And then be that weird person who spends 20 minutes in Toys R Us feeling the plastic packets. <laughs> That's the thing, because um, not many of the... Well, I don't want to look like a weirdo for a start, but... Yeah, I not, just said that I have... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, um, I've got hundreds of minifigures at this point. It's quite disgusting, actually, how, <laughs> how my addiction spiraled out of control. But, yeah, what I do is, you know... Um, when a new um, wave of minifigures comes out, what I do is get on eBay straight away because there are people who aren't quite sure of, you know, the resale prices. Right. They, they sell them quite at quite a low price because um, to buy a packet is £3 over here. Holy shit. And how much is it over there? Uh, it's two ninety nine, I think. It might be three ninety nine now on the last couple of series, actually. Mm. But that's still... Yeah, it's still a lot over here, isn't it? So, yeah. But, I'm quite um, familiar with the exchange it, rates between it, the two. Yeah, I think it's I think it's two yeah, it's two ninety nine that they sell for over here. Yeah, I think it's three ninety nine um, Canadian now, but our dollars yeah. just shit. So <laughs> it's, I we're almost back to two to one with the pound, I think. Really? So um anyway. Yeah, I did that to get um the first few series of mm. the minifigs, because I sort of jumped on that bandwagon late. Same here, yeah. Um but except for the football ones and the Simpsons ones, I've decided I just didn't care enough about. Mm. I don't consider them canonical, although I am tempted by the new Disney ones. Uh, Canon- I have all canonical of the- minifigs. <laughs> I don't consider them part of the actual minifigs series, even though Mine they technically do I, are. You know, because I didn't really collect many of those either, so I know where you're coming from. It may sound crazy, but yeah, we're probably crazy. <laughs> the, the ones I kind of wanted to keep were itchy and scratchy. But mostly yeah. because they've got a lot of different sort of animal minifigs with the Pima series. And, mm. um, but really, my favorite minifigs, I think everyone's are, are the ones that are people in mascot outfits. Oh, yeah, the chicken suit guy. The chicken suit guy, there's a rabbit guy. In the last series, the there was a guy. shark guy. I love chicken suit guy. Who's chicken super easy to find. He's my favorite. It, I know, it, yeah. It, 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 he's how I got started into the minifig craze. Oh, really? I came really late, yeah. And chicken suit guy was just like, Oh my god, I need that in my life. <laughs> so apparently the next series is going to have, is, the rumor is there's going to be a banana suit guy. Oh my god, what are you doing <laughs> to me like? <laughs> uh, um, but I, I think we, we talked about this on uh, when we both um, guest starred on Out of the Crossfire. You need to get the Portal minifig. Yeah, I really From do Lego shout. Dimensions. Yeah. I really do. But I, I just refuse to buy anything Lego Dimensions because it's a it's even more of a rip-off than normal Lego. I was, so. was going to say, do any, of, do any of these work with Lego Dimensions? Or is it just know. completely um, set? It's just a Lego minifigure. So, is, interesting yeah. you say that, because um, they had Lego minifigures online, which was oh, a yes, free-to-play did. game, which you could buy... It was Fomcom, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, you could buy, like much like the games I talked about last week, where 
you collect heroes and to build them up, or you can buy packets of things that will have the right pieces. So hopefully you'll build the thing. Uh, I, last week I talked about the Star Wars and Marvel mobile games. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they decided like a year ago to convert to. It was a. It was a, full, a buy. Full they they made it. They made it a purchase only game. Yeah. They got rid of the subscriptions, and anyone who'd spent some money on the game, um, got it for free. Um, uh, uh, yeah. But what was interesting was the last few series of minifigs. All, all of them came with the, each minifig came with a code. Yeah. Which you could put it in, and you'd get that actual minifigure as uh, unlocked as a character on the game. Yeah, because I played the demo when it was first coming out. I think it was like a beta. I think it was a beta. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I started it back then too. And I think because I did that and something else, like I never actually spent money on the game, but somehow no, I was I given the full version. I think because it was just old. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, this, this, is, this is a bit fun, you know? It's quite fun, but it was sort of like a, I don't, is it an MMO? Yeah, it was Ish, a sort of, I think yeah. I think you played with other people online and everything, but I thought I'm not going to sink any time into this, even though it's quite fun. But um, a deal for you mm-hmm. when you put in a code, it didn't always unlock that corresponding minifigure, did it? Yeah, Wasn't always it did. Like, it should have. Did it happen for you? Because mine was like literally potluck. So were so you were you sh- buying these uh, minifigures online? Um, yeah. Sounds you mean, like the you mean sellers' the physical toys, but like. Oh, like, and as in they might have mixed up because I can guarantee you that um, mm. incl- all the series, including the monster series that mm. had unlockable codes, they they matched. Oh, they me. matched. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Then they probably just put any yeah any paper into it, but, yeah. which is really dumb because yeah, well, I, it know, comes with a chicken suit guy, yeah. not chicken suit guy in the game. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually not that great of a character. You, you have to buy him legitimately. <laughs> no, I don't even know if you can unlock him. I don't know if there's a chicken suit guy world. Well, then I don't want to play it at all. Then if he doesn't have chicken suit guy world, yeah. is this, was this the game that was called? Wasn't it called Lego Worlds? No, yeah, Lego Worlds is a totally different Lego game. Right, okay, that's there's far, the, there's far too many Lego. That's games. the Lego game that's trying to be Minecraft, except you get your right. own little world and you can visit other people's worlds. That I have, but pl- played the beta of for like forty-five seconds. Then got distracted by life and have forgotten about it <laughs> until this moment. Um, I um, I have played Lego Dimensions. Um, it's fun. It's like a Lego regular Lego game for mm-hmm. difficulty. Um, what's most annoying is certain unlocks are like only a character with this ability can unlock it, and if you don't have mm-hmm. one of those. You can't do that. Although they put a patch in quite soon afterwards where you could spend your hard-earned coin um, to uh, rent a hero who had that ability. Is, is that in-game studs or real money? Yeah, so, but, but you have to have those studs on hand in the level. All right, okay. Um, but I think that was a really good way of being like, yeah, you can rent the guy from Jurassic yeah. Park for, for like five minutes and that's enough for you to get through this unlock section. So, is it time based or? Yeah, I think so. I can't All quite right. remember. Um, so is that is that the same as in the um, like the Lego Star Wars and the, like the franchise based games where each character has a different 
ability yeah, such but, but to, the to problem navigate is, different areas. In those franchise games, you just by playing unlock characters. Yes, yeah. And this, you cannot uh, up until that patch, you couldn't unless you bought the thing with the disc. Yeah. The RFID tag, you'd just be screwed. Uh-huh. But um, they changed that, which I think was a good move. Um, I'm not young enough to care about using the magic disc pad. Um, there's some contrived um, puzzles based on moving a character to the uh, like yeah. the there's like four sections of the pad and they light up different colors, which tells you that you need to move the character with the right ability onto that. Like almost every level will have a spot where there's dimensions. Uh, little wormholes that are there's a yellow one, a purple one, a green one, a red one, or whatever. And the different spots on the pad will turn those colors. So you're like, oh, any character I place or replace on a pad will go will end up popping out of the tunnel of that co- corresponding color. Yeah. And it, but it's just like, well, that's just so you can justify having the pad. Otherwise. I just need to jump. Like I would like if this was a regular Lego game, it would just be jump twice with the right character. Like switch the right character, jump twice, you're there. So because yeah, the mechanics of it is that the minifigures don't actually do anything. It's just the little disc base that they're on that mm-hmm. changes things, isn't it? So well, what's really interesting to me is um, all the minifigs have a unique um, disc, which which has printing on it. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like their symbol and their color scheme, weird design. But all their the add-ons, the vehicles, and the things that you as you play, you you unlock different builds of your. So you, basically, every character comes with the, the minifig and then a bunch of bricks and a disc. And the first form, you you get in, you can't actually you don't get instructions on what to do with those things until you jump in the game, mm-hmm. and then it tells you how to build the things. So like. In Ninjago, it's, like, usually a dragon or something. Um, so, um, in Portal, it's the sentry gun turret thing and the companion cube. It actually comes with two. But um, as you play, you level up your your buildables, and you, can, you end up unlocking different forms of it, which are different things to build with those same bricks. Right. So the one that comes with the game is the Batmobile, and then you tr- it changes into like a Batcopter or something. Okay. And I think that's a neat idea. But technologically, it's um, they're blank discs. Mm. They're not coded to that vehicle or anything. And it actually says, mm. like, when you first build the thing, it's like, it says place, the, place it on the thing now that you've built it. And then it says, do you want to write to this um, card or disc or whatever they call it? Because it's just a literally a blank disc. All right. And I just found it interesting that they, like, clearly made special ones for the minifigs. And but they didn't want to like tie even just like even if it was a blank disc. But because they have no um, uh, design on them, you can't just throw all of your shit in a. Like, if I was a kid, I'd have a box, right? Like a shoe box yeah. that I put all these things in. Um, but if if two characters happen or two vehicles or whatever you want to call it happen to break off their, like fall off from their discs, I wouldn't know how to mm. rematch things. They should be like color coded or something, right? Like that. Which the minifigs are. But it's really strange yeah. that everything, all oh, the vehicles themselves are. 
identical, and in fact, they are just blank disks that, when you activate them, are written to. But then, if you just had the disks, because they're the actual operative thing, you'd be like, hmm, I need a vehicle. What's this one? Nope, didn't want that one. Mm. Yeah, Although that seems it, a problem, especially with kids, and, you know, they can't be organized all the time. Completely. So. Yeah, I found that really strange. Although it is fun um, putting, um, like, um, random people in the random um, yeah. <laughs> uh, vehicles and such. Like, Batman should never drive the Batmobile. It's clearly Gandalf's vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> like, one I of the first things you do in the game is, is you start with Gandalf, Wild Style from the movie, and Batman. Mm. And then you build the Batmobile. Um, and you're in uh, the Wizard of Oz level. Um, <laughs> and uh, first thing I did was, like, as soon as the Batmobile was there, I jumped out as Batman, hopped in as Gandalf, and then ran Batman over. <laughs> are there but flying monkeys there are in fact there's a Wizard of Oz mini uh, pack which is the witch and then she has her buildable as a little flying monkey Nice. which you jump on and ride to fly around <laughs> but um, what's really dumb well what was disappointing is she looks almost identical to one of the collectible minifigures of a witch yeah. From uh, like, there's <laughs> almost no, no uniqueness, mm. which like even before even before I knew I wanted the game, I, I, even before I bought the game, I had the Portal one because Chell is is it's really well done one and, 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 and a unique, super unique. Even yeah. in fact, the Portal gun had a unique part built for it. Nice. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I. I you're right, the prices are wrong, and I think that's been displayed by the fact that, at least in Canada, they've been on sale. Like, Lego had, for the first three months of the year, all of the thing, all of the reg- like packs that weren't level packs, mm. the character packs, were at 50% off on their store. Yeah, I mean, they need to be, because, I mean, Lego's notoriously overpriced, yeah. in my opinion, at least. Yeah, but... It, but, but this is just, it's exorbitant. Yeah, it's overpriced that's... for Lego. Um yeah. But I'm super interested in what's going to happen. I think we mentioned this when we talked about... Oh, shit. I think I talked about this on Crossfire and this show. About how um, uh, Infinity's gone. And Lego Mm -hmm. clearly has a strong relationship with Disney going forward. Because they have the collectible minifigure series coming out. And Disney has literally said... um, We're just going to be licensing shit out. Mm. So I'm I'm wondering if my prediction is we're going to get Star Wars in the version two because they've said that they've got five waves planned of Lego Dimensions. Yeah. They you have see, they are planning a sequel. It won't need any new hardware, and I'm guessing that's where you get Star Wars and whatnot. Yeah, and, you see, I, I I thought yeah that's very possible that they do it in you know version two. Which is, I think that, that's starting this year, isn't it? But uh, thought, the rumor is that, yeah, like late fall, Christmas time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but I just thought, you know, I know Disney; they probably don't care. But it just seems like a slap in the face to like Avalanche Studios, you know, to just have Lego yeah. come out with all the properties that were in Disney Infinity several months after the they closed. But as but, I said, Disney probably don't care about that. That would Avalanche. go for all of the Marvel characters. <laughs> I was going to well, say, and the thing yeah. is, then you get Marvel. Star Wars, and I'm yeah. sure DC would be invited to play. D- yeah. DC oh. are already in there, aren't they? What have you been playing, Ben? 
Um, I just realized that we're literally at an hour and 16 minutes, and some of that was uh, preamble. Uh, yeah. It's all right. I'll be, I'll be brief about this. Um, I've not had a huge amount of time to play games um, over the last week. I've been doing lots of coursework and things. But I did get to try um, a game called uh, A Fistful of Gun. Oh, I have been meaning to try that out. Yeah. It's, How is it? Um, it's a, a bullet, top-down, pixelated bullet hell game. Um, uh, it's got a, a Wild West aesthetic to it. Um, it's pu- published by Devolver Digital, um, the developer, which I can probably have a quick look. The developer is Farmer Gnome, not someone that I've heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been playing this through Steam. It's a very nice... I was going to say little game, but it's not a little game as such. I've not I've not managed to play a huge amount of it. Um, you you basically start off as one of I think thirteen characters, um, each of which have different shooting mechanics, and that can be different mechanics in terms of the um, buttons or the mouse or the, the control pad inputs that you have to do, um, and you know that's then shown up in the different weapons that they have. Um, but basically, from what I can gather, there is some kind of storyline to this. Um, and you have to make your way through the screens. And you you start off on, on a screen and there's a few sort of pixelated buildings and some guys walking around. And no one shoots at you. Everyone's very friendly. Um, and you can, if you want to, you could just start opening up fire on everybody. Um, and Opening just, up or, fire on opening everybody? Fire, opening fire on everybody. Um and and just to try and kill everybody, they drop coins, um, which you can then obviously pick up. There's um, safes as well in some of these buildings, which you can explode to be able to take the gold and stuff from. But once you've cleared your screen of all of the enemies, you can either move um, uh, to the top of the screen, to the left or to the right, and it takes you into a different area. So into a new screen with a, a new set of buildings, um, or, or whatever the, the aesthetic is. There's some uh, graveyard or a railroad, different things like this. Um, and on some of the screens, uh, as soon as you walk into them, the um, NPCs as such might just start opening fire. Oh, fucking, why am I saying that? Opening fire? Yes. They might open fire on you. Um, and then it turns into a, a pretty intense bullet hell game. Um, and it's very difficult <laughs> shall i say um, well it's, if it's a bullet hell is it a bullet more of a bullet hell or a shmup um what's the difference give give me a definition um that's a very good question yeah. I, I had in my head an idea of what the difference was or at least what um well, to be honest there is a bit of a difference because bullet hell would suggest that there's more things coming at you rather than a shmup. Right. You're shooting more things rather than the other way around. Yeah, so it's definitely bullet hell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, one of the characters that I played, you have a, uh, a double-barreled shotgun, and you're moving and aiming on one. I was playing it on a control pad. You're moving and aiming on one stick, and then each barrel of his gun is on the um, X and circle buttons but then 
once you've fired both of those shots, you then have to press the corresponding button to reload that barrel. So you can run in, you can get in with your gun, you can hit X, hit circle, you fired off both shots towards people, you then have to hit X and circle again to reload your weapon to then be able to, to shoot again. Um, another guy um, fires, um, uh, uses a bow and arrow and fires arrows. And on is, the, is he like um, uh indigenous American he, person? He may, he may be, yes. Um, but the direction in which you fire depends on which button you press. So he'll fire left if, um, because I'm playing it on a, a PS4 controller, he fires left if you press square, right if you press circle, up for triangle and down for X. So it's quite good in terms of the mechanics. Some of them are really difficult to get to grips with. Um, like that guy, knowing sort of where you should be shooting and, and things. Um, but it's definitely bullet hell, because suddenly once you killed one person on screen, everyone turns on you and just fires at you repeatedly. Um, the, the idea, or so I think, is to make it through 12 of these screens until you get to whatever is at the end of 12 of these screens, which I haven't done yet. I think the best I've got down to is um, about four, um, because you start off with seven lives, and once those lives are gone, that's it. You've got to start again. Hmm. You start at screen 12 as such and have to, yeah. to run through all of these. Um, and I played, what's the place, the one that was on PlayStation Plus. It's a first-person bullet hell game. Um, a Tower of Guns, mm. yeah. which came out a long time ago now. I say a long time ago, not like 20 years ago. Um, maybe one of the PlayStation Plus games last year, perhaps. Um, and that, actually, Tower of Guns, I found in comparison to this, a lot easier. Uh, a fistful of gun is very difficult. You'll get into situations where you just cannot see how you can dodge all of these bullets coming towards you. If you've backed yourself into a corner where there's absolutely no chance of getting out. Um, I know with uh, Enter the Gungeon, which has come out recently, mm. um, you've got um, roll mechanics. Yeah. So you can roll through a few shots, or roll under some shots, um, I would think. But I've not discovered any mechanic like that which moves me out of the way of shots coming towards me on um, on a fistful of gun yet. But as I say, I've not played it uh, you know extensively, and I've not even made it past the first set of levels. Um, so, but it's fun. It's it's a nice game. It's a nice game. So, so That's a shit description. It's a roguelike, in essence. Um. Well, you've, as I say, you've got seven lives. So if you die on a screen, yeah. um, you come back on that screen. Um, so if you, basically, yeah, until your seven lives are done, you can repeat almost, or not. You don't have to repeat what you've done as such. Mm. Um, so your progression uh, remains until your all of your lives have run out. Um, but in essence, yes, once you've had all of your seven lives, you do have to start again. I don't know whether that. Um, continues on once you then move into the second set, second set of levels mm-hmm. and whether you would have to start right back at the beginning again. Um, it's best not that you find out though. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the next time I play it, I'll just breeze through the whole thing and complete it and be like, oh, I'll never have to report back on that again because I never found out. I was so good at playing it. I imagine I'll die a lot more when I play it next time as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. 
um, and it's really good for just a quick, uh, well, at least when I was playing it, my seven lives seemed to go really quickly on a couple of um, on a couple of the screens, and I'd sort of lose three lives uh, on one screen, kill everybody, move on to the next one, do that one quite easily, move on to the next one, and suddenly that one again was quite difficult, and I'd lose a few lives on that one. Um, but yeah, it's it, so I was getting maybe ten minutes um, per run through as such on these on these things. So I think if you're if you're quite good, you could probably run through the whole set uh, or the, that stage within sort of maybe fifteen minutes or something. You probably do it a lot quicker than that if you're a speedrunner and you know what the fuck you're doing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I picked that up. Um, well, it came with the Devolver Digital Humble Bundle. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. The first you uh, yeah. bought that. Which was last month. Um, so, did I pay anything for it? Sort of, sort of. Kind of. <laughs> I suppose really the amount of money I paid went on Not a Hero instead, which yeah. is, I think, the most recent release on that Humble Bundle. Yeah, I'm going to buy that on. That ha- came out on Xbox One today, so. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I've been looking forward to that. Before. I know it's been reviewing quite well, um, the Xbox version as well. Oh, okay. So, cool. uh, yeah, it's. Um, Not a Hero is a really. Is a really fun game as well. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet, but it's apparently in my Steam library. Nice. Talking to <laughs> no one. Yeah, yeah. Devolver Digital seem to have this knack of of just picking these really oh, yeah. fun but quite simple games. They're a great publisher. There. Yeah. yeah, they definitely take their time. Like they don't churn out games necessarily, but they take their time in figuring out what the niche is that they're going for, and then they just do it really well. Because they've done stuff like um, publishing Downwell, Hotline Miami, yep. stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Downwell again, really another really simple but really fun game. Yeah, that came out on PlayStation as well today. So. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and on Vita, I think. Oh. Oh, that <laughs> reminds me of a thing. Does that uh, does that then lead us into our topic for the episode? Um. We're going to have a little chat about indie games, about PlayStation Plus, about what indie games mean for gaming and the different consoles that they come out on. Um, but and what they that, mean for the platforms in which they exist. Yes. On. Before we do that, I've just finished my beer, so I'm going to open up my um, my second and final beer. Okay, what was that again? Um, this one is um, a black IPA uh, uh, from Purity that. Brewing. Yes. I love black IPAs. Yeah. So it's just an oxymoron, but they're so brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) This one is, um, yeah, it's from Purity Brewing, but it's one that I picked up when I was in Marks and Spencer's a few weeks ago, Mm. and it's one of these brewed exclusively for Marks and Spencer's. Oh, okay. Let me know, because if it's good, because I'll pick that up. Very simple. Oh, wow. Just says the word black in large letters. Um, Well, you know what you're getting. Zero, yeah. Very true. Um, what was the... I had a black IPA a few weeks ago. Um, mm. I can't remember what it was. Shocking. Uh, but that was really good. So when I was in M&S and I saw in big, bold, black letters the word black, I thought, yes, <laughs> I will try this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, as oh, wow. Two of you can see, it is completely black. Yeah. Completely opaque. That's what I love. It's like you think you're just going to get a stout or a porter, but no, mm. it's a really light IPA. 
It's got. It's just uh, something fascinating about them that I love. Got quite a bit of head on it. It it has, but I think that might be your might shitty pour. Might be my shitty pour, but it might be um, the the light ale. The harbour had a little a little bit of head left in the bottom, which um, oh, which hadn't come out. Yes, it's it a black IPA. It was a black IPA, so it's going to kill that. Plus the Harbour Light Ale was a nice beer, but there's not a huge amount to it. This black IPA gives me almost nothing on the nose. There's barely anything at all. Hmm. I'm not sort of getting, I think you sort of expect kind of a bit more of a hoppy. Mm. Yeah. Maybe a little bit sweeter sort of nose on there, but there's nothing. So no my nose dry is hopping? dead. No, no, exactly. Um, while you taste that, I'm going to say it's a slight, ever so slight, hint of anise, licorice flavor um, that's somewhere in the mix that that was the missing taste on the ESB. Yeah, on the, the, the beer you're currently drinking. Yeah, um, yeah. that thing that I said I might ramble on. It's yes. a short ramble. Nice. Um, so this black IPA tastes really nice. But Good stuff. as with you, I can't quite pick out what that flavour is. It's not a big hoppy hmm. flavour at all. Um, it's not massively bitter either. It's got a, a slight sweetness to it. Uh, two things. Um, does it give you that sort of IPA-like taste, or is it just a really tasty, but you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh yeah, that's clearly an IPA on a blind uh, test? No, I think in a blind test, I don't think I would pick this out as an IPA. Um, you, you just don't have that... Back in your face of hops. Yeah, you don't have that sort of really hoppy taste to it. It, it kind of... It's almost like a porter. Mm. But not quite. It doesn't quite have. Um, got those coffee notes or anything? It's got it's got that slightly roasted mm. sort uh. of flavour to it. Uh, a slight smokiness almost. Um, not quite as as sweet as sort of a lot of standard porters are. So it's not not quite there. Um, but it's it's almost just that really roasted, but slightly almost burnt kind of flavour. It's like if you've you've poured boiling water into a lot of coffee really quickly and you've burnt some of the mm, coffee. Mm, yeah. It's kind of got a little hint of that. Um, Is it got a hint of cheap coffee? <laughs> <laughs> it's the only kind of coffee I drink. Um, my other question was, um, you, you mentioned a sweetness and um, I was just curious sort of what kind of sweetness. Are we talking like a, like a, a sort of Round sugar type sweetness, where it's sort of more. I, I have no idea if this is the right term, but it's sort of a more rounded thing, or like yeah, a, more what, a dem- like an icing sugar, which is like more of a demerara uh, mm-hmm. sugar. I think. Yeah, it's it's kind of it kind of does have that almost. It, it's almost like a black coffee with with a sugar in it, with a brown sugar in. Oh okay. yeah. Um, and it's that kind of sweetness. It's right. not it's not sweet, but it just takes away very slightly from yeah. the. More roasted. So it's it's like a sweetness that sort of rounds out and takes yeah, the edge yeah. off of some sort mm. of sharp flavors. But this is, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying it. This is very nice. Mm. Um, possibly not something 
you would want if you're if you're going for an IPA and you want an IPA. I find that black IPAs sort of set in two camps where it's um very discernibly an IPA, but of a very unique sort of well, unique might not be the yeah. right ter- term because it's I'm talking about a category, but a very non-standard but clearly I still IPA type. And mm. then there's the type that you seem to be describing, which is it sounds like it's made in the IPA like method, but it, it doesn't. Um, sorry, my computer's making beep beep sounds, and I'm like, oh shit! Is it uh, is is our Slack notifications coming? Are our Slack notifications coming on the podcast? God, um, I three, off. it was annoying. Three, two, one. Or is it like like it's made in the IPA style, but it sort of doesn't have the case profile of it, but it, it mm. clearly must have been manufactured, use the term, um, in that way. Yeah, yeah. I think this is this is definitely in the latter camp, completely. There is um, a, well, it's a, it's actually called Black Saison that I tried. It's from Firebrand Brewery. Yeah, that one's quite a nice one. That's completely split down the middle. That's like. Initial coffee taste, and then just after that, it's just like a light hoppy taste, like slightly tart finish. So that's a really nice one if you're looking for a black IPA. Nice, and that's a, that. Is it because it's a saison? Is it a slightly lighter? Yeah, yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. Nice. We do like a good saison. Who doesn't? Yes. That's good. So, should we move into our topic? Yeah. Unless the two of you have finished your beers and you have your third ones to open. Uh, almost. started on my um, third one. Oh, you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. Well, why doesn't Lucy start up and by the time she's done describing, I'll be on mine. Nice. Well, it's because that Siren Craft one, the one with the Earl Grey, it was just so light and it was lovely. So, yeah, I really like that one. But, um, yeah, I've moved on to the Four Pure. What's it called? It was the Winter Ale. Oh, Northern yeah, Latitude. the Northern Latitude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too fond on this one, and I really like Four Pure. I mean, saving it to last because I thought I'd enjoy it the most. But mm. um, it's got a quite a sweet, malty um, aroma to it. Bit spicy yeah. as well. But I'm not too keen on the um, the aftertaste, to be honest. Um, it's it's less sweet than like an amber ale, I'd say. Mm. Um, but it has many many qualities that you'd expect from an amber ale. But it just has a weird, really weird aftertaste to it, like like you're standing on a farm or something like that. Like a peaty kind of... Yeah, a really peaty, yeah, perfect way to explain it, actually. Yeah. It's got uh, that sort of aftertaste. My, my mind went to P.T., the... Um... <laughs> the horror guy. Yeah. <laughs> just a really horrifying experience. Yeah, and I was like, I, I never connected to those two. Um <laughs> No, that's what P.T. was missing. There wasn't now. enough peat in P.T., Mm. Yeah. It's like Sorry. when you get a really odd tasting part of the, you know, of a steak. It feels like you're eating the back end of a cow. Yeah, a slightly more uh, with meat. I suppose it's a slightly more gamey kind of yeah. um, kind of taste. Mm. Yeah, but Peter, I think you're very very on the mm. on the mark with that one. But yeah, I, I'm not too fond of it. But um, as you say, maybe it would be different on a summer's day, not summer's day, winter's day. Oh, win- yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually I can drink beer, whatever beer, all mm. days of the year. So, but um, yeah, not not too fond of it. Yeah, I think sometimes the the seasonal beers do put. Um, 
I suppose they're, they're made for for a season as such, mm. aren't they? So they do really go to town on those kind of, especially with the winter ones, on those sort of say. spices and. Oh, but yeah. my favorite winter beers aren't those stupid spicy. I, I think I've ranted about quote unquote pumpkin spice, which has everything but pumpkin in it uh, many times. But yeah, winter beers especially are of a, a beer you would never consider outside of basically the Christmas week, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but all for the aftertaste. I mean, it's not a bad beer. It's like sort of like an amber ale, and it's not hoppy at all, which, you know, I prefer a few more hops in it, but it, just the aftertaste just lets it down completely. Oh. But um, hey, I've got a uh, brew dog as a palate cleanser after this. Um, no. I've poured the um, Ransack the Universe Hemisphere IPA by Collective Arts. Um, again, it's 6.8%. It has um, Galaxy and Mosaic hops in it. Um, the Galaxy are from Victoria, Australia, and the Mosaic are from Yakima, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I'm assuming that's what the WA is. Although it's weird because it's a country code and then a state code. Um, yeah. <laughs> but neither of those correspond to Canadian things and it's Canadian brewery. So it, I could be all wrong. I know that the hops that are in it are Galaxy Mosaic. Um, the head lingers. It's much more honey-colored and a little more mm. opa- uh, translucent versus transparent from the last beer. Um, looks, it looks a little more amber than the... Um... Yeah. Then the other, I mean, the, the second oh. bit you had was very dark, wasn't it? And the first one was wasn't quite as dark, but it had a slightly red. Yeah, it it was trans. It. it was dark, but transparent. If that makes sense. Like there wasn't any cloudiness to it. Yeah, it was just yeah. dark and red. Mm. Well, this is sort of quite light, but it's got cloudiness in it, um, and it's much more like honey, mm. like a slightly watered down honey, I would say. Um, the nose is. Not sweet. It's bright in that sense of sort of it. It's it's. I'm the worst at this. It's like it's like a more like a summer brightness. Like it's a, it's an mm. eye opening, refreshing. I'm guessing there's a slight citrus, probably a little bit of lemon or uh, orange, but not too tart. Hmm. So has a slight bitterness to it. Yeah. It um. It definitely has a light citrusy note. I can't quite tell what it is because it's pretty light. I just get that hint of sort of sweet tartness. I'm guessing it's more mm. close to orange than lemon. Um, okay. I'm, I'm notoriously bad at, at placing these. I will say I don't think it's grapefruit. <laughs> um, no tropical hints. No, none actually. Um there's a, like a very light sweetness, but I like uh, to the to the nose. But I think that's just sort of generic. Mm, mm. Um, it's really refreshing. Um, it um, it's it's like a slightly sweet, um, but refreshing IPA. Okay, I would say it's an IPA that you would have on a warmer day a day which you would normally say it's a little too warm for an ipa this would hit fit 
perfectly. Like it's a mm. little too light for a standard I want an IPA moment. What but because of that, what percentage is it? Oh, seventy-two thousand. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just wondering whether it's a bit more of a, a sessionable sort of beer. Oh no, it's six eight. Oh. Um, well, that's still sessionable. And it's called Ransack the Universe. I'm not sure why. It's mm. not like it like feels like it's blowing things away. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, nice. It's it's actually as IPAs go, it's sort of unique, but it's unique because of its lightness. I would say. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So yeah, that's the Ransack the Universe. Good, good. So, we're going to talk about indie games, as we've mentioned. If you don't like indie games, now's the fuck time off. to fuck off. <laughs> um, because we're now going to dedicate however long we want to speak about it on. It might be for the next hour and a half again. Who knows? <laughs> I'd be happy with that. I'll get a few more beers. Uh. <laughs> so, there's a, a wealth. A wealth of games out there which have been dubbed... Indie. Um, what do we want to talk about? Go. I throw my ar- arms up in the air. You are the best host. I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, I want to start off okay. by oh. having a rant. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excellent. Good. Good. Because, you know, I mean, I have all consoles at this mm-hmm. point. Including um, the Wii U? Yeah, I have the Wii U. We're not really counting them in this conversation because, hey, it's still <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. But in terms of PlayStation and Xbox. I had I mean, them. Steam, you, well, you sold them now, haven't you? I sold the Xbox 360 this weekend. That's my piece of news. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's gone out of production now, so you're never going to be able to get one again. All of my on-disc games are on backwards compatibility, and that all but like true. two that of my digital games are on backwards compatibility. And I was like, oh, if I wait much longer, they won't give me fuck-all money. <laughs> true. Um, so, anyway, continue. You have all of the things. Yeah, I have all of the things. And, well, Steam are always going to be ahead in, yeah. you know, in terms of games. So not even counting them in this conversation. In terms of Xbox and PlayStation, I'm predominantly an Xbox player. Like, you know, I have PlayStation for for, for like exclusives, say mm. Until Dawn or Uncharted or something like that, and some of the smaller indie um, games, so like Night in the Woods or something like that. But predominantly, I play on Xbox. Sidebar: just, um, What did mm. you think about Until Dawn? I thought it was fantastic. Okay, and I don't even like horror games. Um, I think uh, I've only started it. So perhaps in a future week we should. Uh, I'll go further and we should talk about it. I just was curious. Uh, continue I, on. It's um, it's better than Quantic Dream that ever done with a game, Ooh. and I really liked um, what's it called? Heavy Rain. Yeah, that's mm. the one. Not yeah. not, not the. Uh, Jason. 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 <laughs> 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 I thought that was really good, but. Until the one, I think that's in a different class. Um, mm. But anyway, um, ju- just in terms of how PlayStation are basically doing what Xbox did last last generation, mm. Mm. you know, doubling down on the indies, and they just always always seem to be ahead because Xbox they've got the idea Xbox program, and they've got some really good games coming to it as well. Um, like I'd say. Below that will eventually come to PlayStation. Ooh, that, that looks, yeah, that does look good. Mm, and mm. but that will come to PlayStation eventually. So mm. that's this is where I'm going with my argument. Even 
the great games like Cuphead and Inside. Those are brilliant. Those are, um, well, we don't know much about Inside, but those will re- probably remain exclusive to Xbox, at least in the foreseeable future. Might come to PC or something like that. But I just think PlayStation are winning the race. And as a predominantly Xbox player, it just, just breaks my heart a bit because I love indie games. But every time... A new indie games and that. So like, yeah, we're on the PlayStation blog. We're coming to PlayStation first, either exclusively or, you know, for for the first six months or like a year. A t- or yeah, a time exclusive or a pure exclusive. Yeah, yeah that seems to be the choice. Yeah, I mean, even like this this game that came out today called Luma that I've been looking forward to. It's by by, by British developer, and it's like this cool little puzzle game. It's been yeah. getting good good reviews so far. But they, they they were going to release on all platforms um, a couple of weeks ago, but it got delayed. Oh, right. It's like it got delayed on all platforms, but it got delayed until today on PS4, PC, and stuff like that. And it's been delayed until June on Xbox One and PS Vita. Now, usually what? when it gets what? delayed, PS Vita, it's like yeah, no what? surprise, you know, no shit. Well, Sherlock. I mean, mm. Vita like, is also one of the Xbox few platforms. One? Sorry. Um, no, it's all right. Carry on. Vita is one of the few platforms that actually has a more unique uh, architecture, so there is actually a case to be made about having to work. Yeah, but the the Xbox and the PlayStation and the PC are virtually the same thing. There's one software level which you have to change, and the rest is not that much different. Yeah, and that's my that's my point. It's like, are you going to be put in the same space as PS Vita, where it's not crucially important to get out day one? on that platform and it's just like okay playstation are winning the um the console wars or whatever you want to call it but it, it just upsets me that microsoft aren't making more of a push in that space yeah i was going to say do you think it comes down to numbers at the end of the day that um suddenly if they've put if someone's put a game back and mm. they they have to then look at how much uh, of their resources that they're putting into it and, and have a look and say, well, actually, we've only got two weeks or you know a month to be able to ship this. We can only pick one console to put yeah. this on, and then we've got to wait another month to put it on the other one. Oh, they're yeah, going to pick the, the one certainly. with the bigger certainly. install base. I completely understand that yeah. from a developer's point of view. And, like, maybe, a, you know, not so much as this example, but I'm I'm more talking about games that have been in the pipeline for several years right. before PlayStation were even destroying Microsoft this, mm, this, mm. Um, this I generation. Think... Why didn't Microsoft push that more? I mean, even with this Idea Xbox Games Fest that's going on now, promoting old indie games, it's like, mm. promote the new ones, do what uh, PlayStation does. Yeah, I know that um, the Games with Gold for next month have just been announced mm. and um, for 360 Super Meat Boy is one of them. I've got that on every other platform. Which is now a, what, five-year-old oh, wait, I, game, six-year-old wait, game, maybe? hasn't that already been on? More than likely. It, no, I'm, it hasn't, because I just recently bought it. Because I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I was always waiting. I'm pretty sure I'm Meat Boy on the 360, because I pre- I'm pretty sure I played it on Alex's um, 360 when I Alex, lived with Alex him. Alex has it on 360, yeah. Yeah, but I thought I played it off my account. Maybe not. It's never been on games with gold because ah, okay. i've been waiting several years because i have it on pc i've played a bit of it on P- pc but i just I, wanted to play it on a console you know controller etc oh yeah i definitely have it on yes yeah, something or other 
Yeah, well, that it, it came to... Um, oh. It was one of the, the free PlayStation Plus games maybe six months ago. Yeah. Back when it, PS Plus what? wasn't garbage. Oh, come on. Well, I'm still enjoying PS yeah, Plus. Yeah, I'm just being yeah. facetious. I mean, what, what do you think about... Oh, good, because there are so many people complaining. I mean, I know you can't please everyone, but... I think the problem is that um, people got used to getting, like, a AAA game of sort of less than three years vintage and then something else mm. on both Xbox games for gold and PS plus PS. Yeah. PS plus. But when, yeah you... when it was, when it was PS three PS plus, you were getting yeah. games like Borderlands two yeah. plus then uh, a smaller developed game, which people and... maybe hadn't heard about or Bioshock infinite and but... bigger games like that, that. The thing uh... is, is that when you look at it, because Microsoft announced this was, this was a couple of years ago that they announced that, we're giving away games that are basically add up together. It was two games for Xbox One each month or whatever. Yeah. Two games that basically added up to the value of £30. Right. So either 15 each or 10, 20 split or something like mm. that. So even though Xbox are giving away games that are, you know, AAA games. They're, they're older. Three, AAA four years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So they're cheaper. And they're still coming underneath that thirty right. pound threshold. But Whereas with PlayStation, you're getting brand new games. Yeah, they maybe indie yeah. games, but they're like they're about twenty, you know, twenty dollars, twenty pounds. So I don't know why people are complaining. Oh, mm-hmm. the average consumer doesn't know enough about these games to realize that they're not old, or mm. that they're really good because they're like I haven't heard of this. And um, I think but Red Dead a... Redemption is uh, is is a game that might be old, but you can't pretend like that's not a big win. Red Dead's a fantastic game. Mm. So, like, that sort of throws the argument of, well, they're only giving away old games on its ear. Because I think we interrupted you, but what were the announcements of the next week, next month's games of gold? Um, and I, I think the, I can't remember the other ones, but I know for Xbox One, the other one is Goat Simulator, isn't it? Yeah, Goat yeah. Simulator and The Crew, which is... Oh, pretty, The Crew. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's... Probably retailing for about forty quid still. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good, pretty good one. I think it's the the the, the problem with a lot of this for for both games. With, well, maybe not so much with games with gold because Microsoft have been in at least the three hundred and sixty generation really pushing um, indie games. Mm. That the 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 Xbox. Um, I was going to say fan base, but it's not the, the right word. Their install base as such, the, the people that that have Microsoft consoles, they've had indie games for a long time and have had it in their minds that these are fun, even though they might be slightly smaller budgeted and and, and haven't taken quite so long to develop, mm. that, that, that they're still good investments and that there are some really yeah. good smaller games out there. Whereas with PlayStation, because... Indie is almost the new thing, and oh. when PlayStation Four, um, do you, sorry, do you want to just elaborate on what you mean by indie is almost a new thing? Well, with with PlayStation Four, you you did get smaller indie games on, but they were never really marketed hugely. They were never pushed a huge amount. Mm-hmm. It did seem that in the last console generation, that Microsoft really were the like the indie box as such if you it, yeah, you know sure. and that's where people push their games and on 360 unlike this generation 
if someone didn't have enough money to put it on both consoles, okay, the architecture was different on the, the on those consoles in the last generation. But people would go to Xbox first, and Xbox used to give a lot of money and fund a lot of indie games as well. Whereas I know mm. PlayStation now have pub fund and, and different funds for indie developers, which they push quite a lot. But it's almost as if was it two E3s ago when um, PlayStation as part of their conference, had quite a big dedicated slot to indie games. And they had, yeah. I think, maybe eight or, or something um, indie devs on stage at one time all playing their games, um, which were shown on screens on the background, which were all going to be games coming to PlayStation. Um, I'm not sure whether they were all exclusive, but you had things like Galaxy and, and stuff like that. Um, that it, It's almost, for the PlayStation install base, it's almost kind of a new thing. So you are going to get whiny little cunts who will go wah yeah and I completely agree and it just seems like this generation it's completely flipped on its head whereas you know Playstation doubling down on the indies Microsoft yeah they're trying but it's not as I'm sure they're trying just as hard but it's just the way they show that and the way they tell people that it's not as they don't do it as fervently as PlayStation. They don't, and it was, it's a very good strategy for the start of a console cycle because yeah. you don't have a huge amount of either exclusive or third-party... But in general, your, your library is small. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. So to have a lot of smaller developers who are banging out a game in two years or 18 months, or, or you know, maybe a little bit longer, but have been yeah. developing it for that, and which come out within the first six months, year two years now of that console being exclusive on that console is a really good thing to fill yeah, that space. Of course, because even now people are still complaining that there's not too many PlayStation exclusives. So, yeah, they've managed to fill that gap. Mm. It's just it's just strange to me because, like, even even people are here, like, you know, just watching, listening to podcasts and everything, people are saying, oh, Xbox gamers don't care about indie games, they don't like indie games and stuff like this. And I said, where does that come from? Mm. Because... That platform, everyone took to the like indie revolution. That's how games like Limbo and Braid, mm. you know, stuff like that, got popular. So yeah, it's just I just think it's a it's like just so, optics and how people perceive yeah how treat and treat indies because you know I, I I know some of the guys who work at you know idea Xbox the streams and stuff like that who work in that field and they're really mm. passionate so, yeah, so as I said it's just the way they show people because you know new indie games coming out uh, next week or it's been announced on PlayStation 4 it comes up on the PlayStation blog yeah. Xbox you don't find that anywhere so yeah, yeah. I think my, my prediction is that um, X, uh, Microsoft's move to sort of marry the Xbox One environment to the Windows 10 environment much more closely over the coming months. Mm. Um, I think because even though PC gaming is a smaller market share, it's sort of just a given that we get indie games uh, on Steam usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that what uh, my prediction is that they're going to be pushing that cross architecture thing to sort of yeah. sort of sneak through the back or into to to take some of that indie cred yeah, indie space back that was because really interesting yeah because the, the way the iDarb guys explained it they said that you know they they coded it within you know a few hours and it was working so if Microsoft could push that then 
Certainly, that's that's a big win for them. Because I, I think that that seems to be the well, one that seems to be what they've been hinting at is their sort of global plan. But two, as far as I can see, that's one of the only few avenues that might gain the market share that's available to them. Yeah, but would you do you then have a thing with with Microsoft and and these Windows Ten games, or you know whether they're on Xbox One and Windows Ten? Is that almost um, trying to take away from Steam? Uh, I think Steam's such a you know yeah. I, I think massive. They are trying to get rid of yeah, or worried about it. So yeah, because because I uh, apart from the um, like the PlayStation Plus games. Mm. I consume almost all of my indie games on Steam. As do I. Yeah, because you've got Steam Greenlight, and that's where most, probably 90% of developers will put their game first. Which sometimes is a bad thing. Yeah. But, Hmm. um, yeah, between Greenlight and early access and the fact that the consoles are just PCs that have, you know, a regimented architecture, there's no reason not to take advantage of these sort of wide scope avenues of of um of users yeah mm. but I, I think so many games that have been on steam for years and years and years and just finding a new life on the console so mm. and the, and mm. it's really funny because people on the console um population is so i say this even though it's a word that you usually has some prejudicial context but i don't mean it that way but they're so ignorant of what's going on in the pc space that these mm. games seem brand new even if they're three oh, yeah, years old <laughs> and again i don't mean it in a prejudicial way i mean it literally they just have no idea what's going on in the space yeah, because but it's true so we're because so many games get buried on steam unfortunately. yeah yeah well and also like, a lot of these people don't have don't have steam accounts no game on their yeah. pc they but left that alone they a long do, time ago like, they don't hear about them. And it's like, if you see that on the store page, because what I thought was funny today is that, you know, Overwatch came out today. Yeah. I oh. saw like three different bundles of indie games that I'm sure have already been put out. <laughs> <laughs> and they just appear on the store there and think, you know, someone's going to see that. They're going to go, oh, Overwatch is there. Oh, hold, hold on, what's that next to it? So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's so many more eyes on. And I didn't realize I, I Overwatch came out. Risk of Rain is a is a slightly older game which has been on PC yeah. for a long time, and that Rick released is. on on PS4 and Vita, maybe I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago now, yeah. Um, but I know that PlayStation yeah. Blog did uh, you know they had a, a, a thing about it and, and they advertised that this game was going to be now available on PlayStation. Mm. Um, yeah. So as you say, suddenly you've got a big group of people which only have uh, a. A console who would never have experienced this game before, and suddenly it's got a, a new lease of life. Yeah, certainly. But because you hear that all the time, like people say, "Oh, I'll wait till it's on PlayStation 4. I'll wait till it's on Xbox One." Mm. When you hear about a PC game that's getting like Stardew Valley or something like that, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll play that when it comes to PlayStation. Mm. And, you know, mm. hey Presto, it's coming to PlayStation. So yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, well, at least for me, I, I normally play my indie games on Steam because I'll wait a little while and buy them in sales um, mm. or, or through Humble Bundles and stuff. But one of the... It almost doesn't seem like it should be an indie game, but um, I, I picked up on day one Firewatch. Yeah. yeah. And I picked that up on PlayStation 4. Um, and I 
don't know what drove me to pick it up on PlayStation 4 versus picking it up on PC. The marketing, that's where it's been marketed, so... Plus, I got a nice little theme for my PlayStation yeah. 4 with a, a Firewatch-based theme. Oh, it ran dear. like crap, though, day one. <laughs> Terrible. But yeah, it did. It did. I'll you got to... It. That game sort of... You'd play a little bit, and then it would have a little loading screen and say day two or something like that, wouldn't it? And I, I did on um, on day one have a couple of times where it, it came up with a loading screen and, and it said in, day yeah. 19... And just, right. and just didn't load. Oh, dear. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'll just restart. Yeah. Thanks for telling me how far in the game I am before, well, as you're <laughs> ruining my save. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had some issues day one, but yeah, they, they would have patched I still haven't touched that game. Um, it's good. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite quite an adult story. Not Yeah, very much. Like It's just like, you won't appreciate this if you're you know, a young gamer. you got to have some life experience under your belt to realize how crap life can be mm. Mm. I, I i it's at a point where i'm waiting for the, the next tier price drop like it's mm. not quite old enough that it'll get dropped down but you know the next couple of months it should hit at least in a sale or another it should be you know a good 20 percent lower than what it is now or what it sales on now yeah well by that time you'll love them you'll come back to the uk and I'll just and borrow your you place. Can, you, you can know, just come around to my house, keep Kim company while she's on maternity, and just play Firewatch. <laughs> uh, well, I I still need to finish PT, and you are now my uh, only avenue towards that. I I do still have PT on my PlayStation. Yeah, Let's go. if no you way. delete it, you're an idiot. Yeah, it's like, not going anywhere. Like even That's if fine. you decide to get rid of your PlayStation, I think even at the end of this console cycle, your PlayStation will be worth something because it has PT on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. So, let's um, just very briefly, I suppose we are Massively rambling around. on quite a lot. Um, let's quickly talk about um, the Vita because it seems to be a failing console, but well, it seems to have been a failed console. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it still has Some life. A, a sort of a lease of life with indie games. There are still indie games coming to the Vita. Hmm. Um, I mean, do either of you, Lucy, do you play Vita much? Yeah, I've, I own one. Um, we both own a Vita, I think. But yeah, I, th- yeah. I talked about Severed on the oh, yeah, yeah. Fire podcast last week. But but yeah, the, the, I do go quite a long time not playing it. But, mm. you know, when because, as I say, I'm predominantly an Xbox player. But when there's a game that's exclusive to PlayStation um, and it comes to both PS4 yeah. and PS Vita, I'll, you know, 80% at the time up to play on Vita. Really? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, my Xbox, my PlayStation, under my TV, always play the Xbox, but I just feel, you know, I could take another game that's on PS4 on the road. It's a bit of a chore to to play my PS4, to be honest, just because I'm so inherently involved in Xbox. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just nice just, you know, watching something on the TV, playing Vita. Right. Nice. I uh, I had have to say that well, one my uh, gaming hours are have been dwindling over the past few months and they're reasonably non-existent these days. But um, I play the Vita in on when I travel. I, I yeah. no yeah. longer even bother with 
looking into random films on whatever airline happens to be putting video on demand. Uh, I'm, uh, it's only when I have an airplane which doesn't have a USB slot in the seat that mm-hmm. I end up watching something because I've run the Vita down. Um, and that's usually my... It's 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 a, I I basically swap between uh, whatever Final Fantasy game I feel like playing at the time because I've got basically one through nine, one through ten on the go, just yep. all of the times. Um, and and then for and a, an indie game or a Vita, usually crossplay game actually. So for a while there mm-hmm. was um, Counter Spy was my traveling companion and then when i needed a break from that it was ff1 and 2 and 3 yeah um i can't remember what the last one was but it was ff7 and 10 and something else um because even uh, my fickleness with games even on like an eight hour plane ride i managed to need to hit hit three games (laughs) (laughs) but i suppose it seems that indie games are almost a lifeline for the vita there's not any uh, or there's not many. I suppose there's a few, like Drinkbox, um, mm. making Severed. Um, there's a few. And, and uh, what was the Media Molecule game? Uh, Tearaway? Yeah. Mm. Which I know has since come to the PlayStation 4. I was going to say, Gravity was a... Gravity, Gravity... Gravity Rush? Rush, yes. thank you. was oh. a great little game. Mm. And then it, it got tossed to the PS4, and there's no reason why someone would want to play it on the... Yeah, they're moving. Exactly. The most egregious example of that was Tearaway, though. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah, because Tearaway mechanically made a lot of the back screen and, yeah, um, and, the, camera. and the camera and things. So, yeah, yeah, it, it seems that when That's you when you it, knew the Vita was dead. <laughs> when Tearaway yeah. unfolded, isn't it? It's just like me and Michael just focus on dreams or whatever it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of making Tearaway unfolded, I was just like, oh my god, what is the point? I, sp- I suppose it's... A lot of these games which are coming to the Vita are also now... Indie and the the larger games are either cross-buy, cross-save, cross-play, whatever they are. But they're coming to both PlayStation and Vita as well. Or they're yeah. not cross-play, but they are on both. You see a lot more yeah. of the... It's on both platforms, PS star where it could be three or four usually four um but a lot of the vita games obviously especially the ones that are end up not being crossplay, it seems like they're just like uh, we don't want to have to render super high definition things so we can just make it on the ps3 and the vita and have them not attached to each other mm. yeah mm. but they've been a lot better cross by recently because i remember there were so many games that were coming out and it was only yeah uh, it, you know not cross by at all so it was just two I guess, yeah, I'm definitely thinking of, like, four to six months ago, and then eight, and the the window starting four to six months ago, and back eight months, where Mm. every, a bunch of things seem to be coming out with, on multiple PlayStation um, mediums, but not in a way that allowed you to make use if you happen to own multiple PlayStation mediums. Yeah, a lot better like that. I mean, they've, because Nintendo are just... Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, my constant gripe with PlayStation is that uh, how many times should, do I have to buy a game because I want to play it again? Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy games being 
my number one, I'm pretty sure I bought this on the PlayStation or PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3, and now I'm trying to get it in a digital version. And then, and now that they've come out, they've actually finally released FF10 on PC. And so now I, I, I spent the extra money, even though I own FF10 on the <laughs> PS3, because I know that now I have 1 through 10, actually 1 through 11, <laughs> plus all of the 13s okay. um, on the PC. I know I can play them in five years. Mm. And if, if Steam doesn't facilitate that, the community will have some mod that will keep it that way. And it just makes me not... That's my biggest gripe with PlayStation is the fact that they m- will not allow me to play games I own. Mm, mm. It's, it's it's very strange. It's a very strange practice, but they want to make as much money as possible. Oh, it's, not, it's not strange. It's just extracting producer surplus. Yeah. Um, so we will uh, finish the conversation there, but I have two questions um, which I want an answer from both of you from. So E3 is in a few weeks. Question number one. Do you give a shit? <laughs> we all give. Of course we give a shit. We I give less, like, I give oh, less of a shit. It's, your, it's in oh, your time zone as well. So Yeah, but I, I give less of a shit. shit. I've got to stay up and have a look at things. Yeah, it's like Sony. I mean, EA ducked out. Couldn't you have done your conference earlier? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> anyway. Um, so, uh, first question. Who's going to have a bigger indie presence during their conference microsoft or playstation this year? Uh, microsoft or sony this year lucy uh microsoft Ooh. cuphead's coming out i'm yeah. sure people uh, want to see more of below and inside plus um, playstation probably doubling down on vr i think mm-hmm. um because e3 has become devalued yeah um playstation already is sort of the go-to indie platform they don't have a strong incentive to yell to the stars and the skies and the alleyways that they are the the indie platform it's microsoft because they need to prove they they have something to prove which is we're a legitimate platform for indie people and so this is one of the few places that they can do that where people (laughs) will actually listen in unison so if it's not Microsoft, then Microsoft's fucked up. This might be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I would, Yeah, I would agree with that. And second question, will PlayStation... Uh, fucking why do I keep saying will PlayStation? Will Sony... It's fine. But- ...have any Vita presence at all? No. Yeah, no. Not an ounce. <laughs> uh, what's, what I want... What they're going to put a Vita on the middle of the stage... And then smash light it. fuel on it and just set <laughs> yeah. it on fire. I think <laughs> that... The, if they mention the Vita, they will do a Gallagher and Watermelon act with the Vita. <laughs> um, but uh, what I'm super interested in is the uh, not Vita. I think Vita is just obviously dead, mm, mm. which sucks because I own one. And yeah. it's still not hacked well enough such that my PSP is I, – I play it more because Good I can play PSP. all of the things on the PSP. And it's also – Basically as beautiful a screen as far as I can tell on the games I play. Yeah. You've got the OLED one, the original, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. On your on your PSP you've got to rack up that time in uh Final Fantasy Dissidia, haven't you? Yeah. Get all the fighting games going. Anyway. Uh but what I was gonna say is PS Now. The fate of PS Now, which is arguably the 
in my opinion, is one of the main reasons why they have not even talked about backwards compatibility. Yeah. Um, but it's been, I think, besides the Vita, Sony's biggest gaming flop of the last few years. Mm. Mm. Um, and it seems so promising as well when they bought, was it Gaikai? You just thought, yes. yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. move. But then no, it's just... But, and then Microsoft with backwards compatibility was just the final nail in the coffin, I think. Yeah, well, I think completely. people still... like With movies and music, people have gotten to a point where not owning the media isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, with games, people still have this attachment to the game. Whether it's yeah. a digital or a, or a hardware disc. And PS Now is is the Netflix-ish approach where yeah, but you I might not be able to get the game again if it's not licensed in the next six months, right? I think I think what we were talking about last week, though, is that the bandwidth just simply isn't there for some people. That's why yeah. PS Now is just out of the question for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, without, without severe graphical degradation, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but even if you were trying to, like, do PS1, PS2 libraries on PS Now, I still think people aren't quite at the place where they're willing to let that that even older era games be in the cloud and on a license which could be cancelled at any time. Like yeah. we just haven't got to the place where games are as a commodity like we have yeah. started to treat movies and music. And on top of that, I mean very quickly, like even when PlayStation announced, Oh yeah, Wild Arms is available now from on PS4 from being ported over from PS two. I sometimes roll my eyes just because I think you're charging 20 quid for that game. And whereas Microsoft would just be like, yeah, backward compatible if you bought well, yeah. it, just get it. So I think I think that whole presence of um, backwards compatibility has changed. And I think yeah. in the future, people will need to make sure that's a, you know, a feature in their next consoles just because, well, you know, the amazing architectural... There's, yeah. a, you know, there's a reason why I have a them. 80 gig PS3. Mm. It's because it has a fucking emotion chip in it. Yeah, I can play any PS One, Two, or Three game. And no, I actually have a PS Four. I can play any PS blank game in my house because I have a Vita which can play PSP games. I have a PSP which can play PSP games. I can play PlayStation games. And if I I I, I traded my Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty precisely because I didn't need that piece of hardware. to to be able to play the, my library. Yeah, yeah. But I won't, I will not let go of my PS3, not only because of the random PS3 games I have, but also because of the random PS2 games I have. Mm. Like, you can rebuy PS1 games a lot easier than you can PS2 games because. Um, yeah. Because oh, of the yeah. nature of the library. But the big problem, I think, is that backwards compatibility on the PS3, it. PS4, PS3 relationship is super tough because the cell processor wasn't standard, was completely yeah, out to yeah. lunch. And when they moved to the PS4, they went back to the mainstream. And so they don't have the equipment to emulate a nine core bizarre architecture um, processor and GPU pairing. I don't even know if it's possible to do it at a 30 frame let alone 60 which is sort of the standard stamp of approval yeah yeah um good let's finish yeah this week. lucy what was your favorite beer this week 
Um, it has to be the Siren Craft Brewery one. The let me just get the name of it again because I it, for the for the love of work or the love yeah of work? that's the one love of work yeah yeah the one with Earl Grey yep really um, so good how nice. Earl Grey did it taste actually we didn't touch that part how what how Earl Grey e oh you could really taste the tea that's what stood yeah. out the most to me yeah you could in the aroma and the taste yeah. Whatever is just bergamot thrown in nice. at the dry hop yeah. stage. Yeah. Adol, what about you? What's your favorite beer? Um, I actually think my ranking of beers is the ranking of order. I think my last beer was the best one. Okay. Um, I think the Louis the Fifteenth, Fifteenth, Seventeenth, whatever. Seventeenth like French guy. Um, was unremarkable, and anything that was sort of unique was in its very short taste and like. Mm. So anything that was interesting about it faded so quickly that it's just not worth your while. Um, the ESB was all right, uh, but in the end, uh, the um, Ransack the Universe Hemisphere IPA was definitely the best one. Um, I don't think it's an exceptional showing this week compared to previous weeks. Yeah. Um, I just think that this was the strongest beer. Nice. Cool. Um, I suppose I'm much the same. The, the Harbour uh, Light Owl. There wasn't a huge amount to it. Um, so my pick this week is the Purity Brewing Black IPA, um, brewed exclusively for Mark Sands Band, uh, <laughs> uh, which is obviously where you can buy it. But it's a very nice um, sort of smoky, roasted, very slightly sweet uh, uh, beer. But don't go in expecting a hoppy IPA. But it's a very nice, very unique um, taste. So, Lucy, if people want to talk to you and they want to chat to you about indie games, how do they do that? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Indie Marathon. Or if you just want to add me on Xbox, PlayStation, God knows how you'd add me on Wii U. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we've gone over this. Uh, you have to sacrifice a goat. <laughs> Um, it's made it easier now because a little known fact, but you can actually sacrifice a goat on Goat Simulator goat on Simulator, the Xbox this, this coming, month. Yeah, to the games with gold. So. Yeah, but yeah, it's just Juicy Loose Nine. Nice. Is that your Adam? Steam handle as well? Uh, yes, it is. Um, you can reach me at the Omniarch on Twitter, Twitter, Steam, PlayStation, basically everything but Twitch, which I've fucking rambled about all the time. Um, yeah, uh, so at the Omniarch, um, you can also reach us at podcast at outoflives.net. Um, you can also reach us at our Facebook page. Yes. Which I'm going to let Ben say because he also has to say his Twitter handle I anyway. Do. Is that because you don't remember what the Facebook oh, page is? Oh, fuck off. It's tanked up. <laughs> our Twitter yeah. handle is tanked up underscore cast, which Ross continues to tell us is a poor handle because it has it an is. underscore. Um, we do have a Facebook presence, although, uh, actually, listeners, uh, let us know if you like our Facebook page or if you would rather us just fold into the Out of Lives Facebook presence. And if no one says anything on our Facebook page, we'll we're going to fold it, yeah. Into the Out of Lives Facebook page. Um, you can also reach all of us on outoflives.net. Um, I think, Lucy, correct me if I'm wrong, but all of your personal webpage uh, articles on gaming will also appear cross post automatically on outoflives.net? Um, they won't, but I do plan on 
um, posting some more reviews on uh, out of lives. I know Russ has started too, but I'll continue to do that. Yeah. Fair enough. So so not automatically, but that's the plan. That's the plan. Just copy and paste really simple. Um, Good, good. Tagged up guests, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we have a YouTube channel, which we sometimes update. Occasionally. Um, the last thing I will say, besides listen to Ben at Nova underscore 47 on Twitter, uh, also on the same thing on Steam, I think. Yep. Um, is uh, our friends at Out of Thrones, um, the Out of Lives Game of Thrones podcast, made it to uh, the top 50 entertainment podcasts. Oh, nice. This week on iTunes, and that's purely because their listeners have been making uh, iTunes reviews. And we would love iTunes reviews, ideally five stars of glowing reviews. But in general, we would just like to hear from you, whether by email or feedback uh, on any other medium. But obviously, iTunes reviews gets us higher and more reach. So that'd be great. So if you've got two hours to listen to us ramble about fucking beer and games, you've got 30 <laughs> seconds to go onto yeah. iTunes and click five stars. This podcast is fucking excellent. Um, I did say that was it, but I lied because we did get a shout out from our um, yes, friends of the podcast, uh, Hops and Heroes, the Georgia-based... I don't know what state they're in. I think they're in Georgia. Um Craft beer and uh, video game podcast. Uh, hello, guys. It's uh, lovely to meet you. Um, anyone who's jumped over from them, hopefully you didn't get turned off by our terrible, terrible broken audio episode last week. Yeah, I'm trying um, to ignore that one. But uh, And fans of our show, if you haven't checked them out, um, check out Hops and Heroes. They're on Podbeam. Bean? Bean. Bean. Yeah, Hobbs and Heroes. They're on iTunes as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, check them out, and uh, we're hoping we might be able to uh, wrangle mm. up some sort of uh, joint community event-ish thing. But that would require us to actually have some sort of community event-ish thing in general. I've clearly <laughs> had too much beer because I'm ramble, ramble, rambling. You so, are right. We are finished for the week. Thank you very much for listening. Take it easy, guys. Ciao. Bye. Sweet. <laughs> okay, I gotta race like a fucking piss horse, so. <laughs> <laughs> Think about what you said.